Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Love by Design by Elizabeth Everett. This was published in 2023 and is the third in the Secret Scientists of London series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of the book from Berkeley. Thank you, Berkeley. And we have reviewed the first two books in the series in previous episodes. So if you go to our WordPress site, you can search by Elizabeth Everett and see exactly where in the podcast feed history they will be. It's true. It's very true. All right. Should we just knock out the book jacket and get into the book? I think so. Widowed and determined, Margaret Galt has returned to Athena's retreat and the welcoming arms of her fellow secret scientists with an ambitious plan in mind to establish England's first woman-owned engineering firm. But from the moment she sets foot in London, her plans are threatened by greedy investors and, at literally every turn, the irritatingly attractive Earl Grantham, a man she can never forgive. George Willis, the Earl Grantham, is thrilled that the woman he has loved since childhood has returned to London. Not as thrilling, however, is her decision to undertake an engineering commission from his political arch-nemesis. When Margaret's future and Grantham's parliamentary reforms come into conflict, Grantham must use every ounce of charm he possesses, along with his stunning good looks and flawless physique, of course, to win Margaret over to his cause. Facing obstacles seemingly too large to dismantle, will Grantham and Margaret remain forever disconnected? Or can they find a way to bridge their differences, rekindle the passion of their youth, and construct a love built to last? The only thing I would change is adding that it's not just his political arch nemesis, it's the arch nemesis of Athena's retreat. Yeah. Because um, I think that makes it a lot more m- meaningful, like just how yeah, difficult her association with this person is. But otherwise, A+. plus. I have to say that final sentence, I know, the, the final rhetorical question with all of the puns in it, mm, oh, it's just perfect. Because she's a structural engineer of Bridges in particular. Oh, that was just delicious. I really liked it. <laughs> I was reading it and I was like, yep, I'm so excited to get to read this sentence. So as usual, uh, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. And this episode, that number is 35. I will start because I think Meg was more inspired than I was. After Georgie had the audacity to go off to war without her, Maggie becomes single-mindedly determined to become the best engineer of suspension bridges. Time didn't tamper lust, but can an Earl marry an engineer? It's a very good question. It's a very good rhetorical question. Also, Lane. That was for you. That was for me. I like it. (sighs) All right. Here's my summary. It's not a very good summary, but I liked it, though. You know I liked this one when the reason Georgie is called the untamed Earl is because he hasn't let anyone try since letting his childhood sweetheart get away. Maybe he's the untried Earl instead. You know, when we were talking about this book a week ago and I was saying like, "Ah, I just started, but I'm having trouble getting into it. And you were like, it's my favorite. I'm obsessed. (laughs) The fact that I didn't immediately be like, fuck Virgin Hero, huh? Is I'm disappointed in myself. (laughs) I was like, I just want to tell you that, you know, Georgie is like my favorite kind of hero. And I think you just thought like himbo-y. 
I, I thought himbo y, but the reason I was struggling to get into this book, they were mostly tied to Margaret. Uh. So it was more of just to I'm not talking about Georgie. Yeah. And if I thought for one fucking minute, I would have realized that that raging erection he'd been sporting for the first 50% of the book had never been properly tested. He's been sporting a raging erection for like 18 years. Which really is probably medically unsafe. Uh, it's very medically unsafe. He really need it. He that's why he's like friends with these secret scientists, so he can figure out a solution to this priapism. <laughs> that is the real scandal that we didn't get into. <laughs> the real scandal is that they've been experimenting on him. <laughs> like medically, this boner is too much. This boner is like. The structure of her bridge, she's the foundation she can build it on there. It's just that, you know, unrelenting. The unrelenting Earl. The unrelenting Earl. <laughs> oh, so tropes, he's a virgin hero. Yep. And this is a second chance romance. It's a second chance romance of childhood friends to lovers. However, it wasn't just childhood heartbreak. No. The way they ended things. I did feel like it was a true thing that needed to be forgiven. Absolutely. I agree with you. At the same time, it wasn't something... I've spoken about how I second chance romance can be very, very hard for me. Because to me, if someone does something bad enough to you that you break up, I'm not going to forgive them. Most likely. Right? I... Would I think I would have forgiven Georgie. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think usually when we see these forgivable versions of this trope, it's like a of someone interfered. Yes. That something was out of someone's hands. And they are both entirely responsible for yes. how things went down. And yet I still found it understandable. Yeah, and I mean, it helped that they were both like 18 Kids. years old, you yeah. know? Yeah, and... I just, I really liked, too, how it carried over thematically. I just thought it, for me, this work, this book worked just really, really well. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, she's a lady scientist at a club for lady scientists. This mm -hmm. is the entire conceit of the entire, the series, but it's this conceit of many series. Mm -hmm. And I, I, look, I think Elizabeth Everett does a really good job. I've liked all the books in this series, but... Am I always 100% sure which book goes to which series? No, I am not. It's fair. It's fair. I, I do like the engine. I feel like engineering is just a slight, like a tiny little bit different than other scientists. Well, and that's brought to bear in the text, yes. not just because of the type of science, but because rather than pursuing discovery for its own sake in private and ultimately having the biggest injustice be you can't do it publicly and you can't take ownership of your findings. Mm -hmm. She's actually trying to make a living doing this. Right. Which is seriously different. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, any other tropes, tropes, tropes? I mean, there's a waltz and a garden fondle lane. There's a waltz and a garden fondle. Um, I feel, Feel like misunderstanding over contraception. It's it's a it's now a trope. It's it's. I feel like the way it happened here wasn't tropey. Uh huh. But I feel like at its face, it's a trope. Okay. 
There is um, desk sex. There's desk sex. She is a woman trying to make it in a man's world and the person who seems like her first potential ally professionally is a two-faced traitor. Yes. So I feel like her professional circumstances are unique in the professional scientific work, but ultimately there's still a lot of women trying to make it in a man's world tropes, and that is only one of them. Yeah. yeah. There are the meetings where she's being talked over. There are the people undermining her. Yeah. I. They don't feel, it doesn't feel like a trope. It just feels like, like this is real life. You know, yeah. So he's a lot tropier. He was never meant to inherit. Yes. Oh my God. Never meant to inherit. Um, his parents were an ill-fated match of a distant aristocrat and a woman of lesser means. Yes. Um, and he, now that he has inherited, is making up for the sins of the father. Hmm. In his case, not by refusing to ever procreate, but by entering the House of Lords and trying to promote meaningful reform for people, women, and underprivileged individuals. Mm-hmm. He's like, a real cinnamon roll. I was like, I really like George. <laughs> yeah. I was into he's, him. He's, a, he's got a big gooey center. He really does. And like... He's got a gooey center, but like the outside isn't hard, like a hardened shell. The outside is the golden retriever. Like, yeah. he's the best. I'm sorry. Angelic and one too good for this world. This guy's amazing. He's, this is, I mean, we all know this is the kind of hero that I would just like, yes. I mean, honestly, Virgin Himbo was written specifically for you. It really was. It really it's was. It's not fair to the rest of this. You had dibs before it was even truly put pen to page. <laughs> I did one time, I think, actually, I know, I generated random, randomly, not randomly, what's it called? Predictive text. Mm -hmm. It generated, it said, Rupert Carsington is a virgin hero. So basically, it predicted this book. (laughs) It did. It honestly did. Done. (laughs) Okay. So yes, in my opinion, this is the best of the series. I don't know what what you think. Like, as as a series, um, I know that, I, I think they've gotten progressively better as well. Um, I think the first one was like this ambitious take second one got even better. And then for me, this one, I was like, yes, this is definitely the best executed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Elizabeth Everett has gotten better at her craft with each successive entry. Yep. I don't know that this was my favorite concept. It's fine. I, I think it's interesting because the, I did also struggle with the concept myself. So the conflict here is not, it's not really between the two of them, right? Like they get over their issues relatively quickly. The issue is more of this, this philosophical, like can, is, is, if I accept money from a a dirty source is then everything that comes from that tainted. Do the, do the means justify the ends? Or do That's the ends just I think the conflict between them is ongoing. It's that they won't trust each other. Yeah, well, which is which is fair because he does some stuff. 
Every, I'm sorry. Every time you get to a point where he says, where any character, not just him, any character in any book thinks, I'll tell her tomorrow, or I'll tell him tomorrow, you know something is going to happen before tomorrow. Yeah. And if what that thing is, is you're having mind-blowing sex at exactly the time you said you do that thing. I mean, I feel like that's also the thing that usually happens. Who can be blamed, though? It's it's a victimless crime. <laughs> I just have to say, like, I think to myself sometimes, like, if I ever think this, it romance novels have taught me a lot about, like, life. And one of the real lessons I've learned is if I ever find myself thinking, oh, I don't really want to tell him today. I'll just tell him later. No, you have to tell him now. Because he's going to die if you don't. Or you could go to jail, <laughs> or you could have stuff published in the paper about you that's incriminating, yep. or a lot of things could happen. It's not just dying. It's, death is just the most permanent one. This is the most permanent one. So, And it's not usually death that comes to mind. It really is like, I'm going to get caught breaking into Buckingham Palace and put in jail. Specifically that one, yeah. Specifically that one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Anyway, I really appreciated this whole idea of like, can you compromise with your ideals? If so, uh, as the book jacket says, uh, Maggie, Margaret is, she's been hired. So her firm, she's establishing a firm that's going to be woman owned and woman run. So Mm -hmm. she wants to hire women engineers to work for her. Um, Her first, um, what's it called? Commission. Commission. Thank you. Her first commission comes from someone, it's a very ambitious thing that he wants to do, he wants to put a tunnel under the Thames, and she's like, okay, this this would put my name on the map if I did it, and it turns out that his biggest investor is, like, the nastiest men's rights activist in London. Yes. And she's hesitant, but she's also like, look, if I do this, it it would be good for me. It would be good for women in general. And it could show that this guy is now supporting women. So maybe it won't be too terrible. I would have agreed with you mm-hmm. if the ways in which it was a disingenuous offer and she wasn't actually being given credit were not revealed so early. Yeah. I think one of the things that frustrated me about the book and her in particular is how she was so committed to like, I've made this decision and I'm going to stick with it that like the fact that she was actually in a really dangerous situation, like did not occur to her. If like pretty early on, it's clear that she's not getting credit for the work. Yeah. Undermined at every turn. And she sits here and she acts like it's still just a question of moral compromise. Mm hmm. And it's like, it's it's not because everything you're arguing to yourself, you're gaining by making this moral compromise. It's very clear you're not gaining. Yeah. I, it, I mean, to me, it was forgivable or at least understandable if you look at it as like a sunk cost. She's like, I'm in it. If I back out now, like what, like, what is that going to say about me? Like, yes, I'm being undermined here. But if I back out, that's just going to be them saying, oh, well, she can't follow through. There are a lot of things that, so it it didn't bother me. I think it was consistent for her character. Yeah. I think it was boring. Mm. 
which is interesting because I thought Georgie was a pretty inconsistent character in the way mm-hmm. he was written, mm-hmm. but I found him interesting. So I was willing to forgive it. Yeah. Because he talks about how he's known as the untamed Earl because he's so good at talking to people. Right. And seeing them and hearing them. And like he's seen with women enjoying his company socially because he's good at making people feel comfortable. And then in the middle of the book, she gives him a lesson on making people feel comfortable. And he acts like it's a revelation that talking to people is useful in politics. Well, like, he's the whole good point at making of your character is supposed to be that you're good at that. But because I liked him so much, I didn't care. He's good at making he's good at making people he actually cares about feel cared about. He didn't realize that he could pretend to care about people and they would feel the same way. Now he's you can so justify authentic. this extreme inconsistency however you want to. My point is, she was a consistent character, but I didn't enjoy reading about her. He was like, an editor probably would have caught some stuff, but I just like him, so it's fine. <laughs> he's not inconsistent at all, guys. He's the best. Okay. Um, he, he's a himbo virgin, so Meg can't be trusted. <laughs> I also really liked that they both, one of the things I liked that she explored about them as a as a compatible couple is that they both kind of, they both suffered from the same insecurities, which I thought was really interesting. Like, how do you show that a couple is compatible, right? A lot of times you show that they like the same things or that they support each other in different ways or this person's strength support this person's weaknesses and vice versa. No, here they just both felt a huge sense of imposter syndrome and could relate on that. Right, they're both extremely fragile and incapable of talking about their feelings in the same way. Yeah, exactly. It was, I don't know, it really worked for me as as a character trait in both of their cases, right? So, because he's like, oh, I, no one's ever going to accept me as an aristocrat because I wasn't raised, I didn't go to Eton and I didn't have the same privileges growing up. And he doesn't realize that as you said, like his authenticity and the way he could speak to people could actually be fine. Like he's fine. He's an aristocrat. Once you're an aristocrat, you don't really have to worry about imposter syndrome, right? Because that's you. Whereas, and she suffered from what, you know, a lot of professional women suffer from, which is that she feels like she has to work twice as hard just to make anyone believe her. And even then she's like, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. So. I thought the way she articulated it specifically was really interesting. Like, I think people are going to realize I'm not smart. I'm just a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's not the way you often see women's imposter syndrome framed now. Yeah. But I thought it was really, like, honestly, it was toward the very end of the book, but I thought it was one of the most thought-provoking things in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And he was kind of the opposite. He's like, people are going to realize I'm not smart. Yep. And they're going to see me paddling under the surface. So. Yep. Anyway, I liked it. Um, very minor thing. I'm sorry. I think it's still too close to the Downton Abbey era to have anything be Grantham. Too soon? <laughs> yeah. I was totally thinking about Hugh Bonneville the whole time. Hashtag too soon. Yeah, hashtag too soon. Hashtag you want me to think about this hot, sexy man and I'm picturing Hugh Bonneville. No offense to you, Bonneville. Yeah. Luckily for me, again, I only watched the first season and then the first episode of the second season and I was like, I'm out. So whenever you hear Earl Grantham or Earl of Grantham, you don't immediately picture Hugh Bonneville. 
No, like I, I, I did remember that Downton Abbey had the, had Grantham in it, but I didn't. I did not automatically picture that guy. I, I pictured Golden Retriever Georgie. Okay. Maybe so, also, you know, why I could get into it. The one question I have for you. So, like, this is a romance novel. Obviously, there is a happily ever after and a happy ending between the two characters. But I thought, like, overall, the non-romantic parts of the ending were more melancholy than I've come to expect from the genre. Yeah. How did you I, feel about that? You know, it. I liked it. I liked it. I don't need... I don't need everything about the happily ever after to be happy. I need them to be happy together and for them to be happy with our life together. But I don't need them to be, I I don't need them to have five kids and be accepted everywhere in society. Um, I, I liked it. I liked that it showed that they made compromises to be together and that even though they were compromises, they still loved each other. I don't know. I, I really liked it. It made me think of um, the ruin of Evangeline Jones. Remember the end of that book? So like, I don't need, I I actually maybe liked it better that it was like slightly unconventional, happy, happily ever after. I just thought it was really interesting because ultimately most romance novels end with, even if they're on very different paths than they expected, even outside of the romance, they found some sort of success. Mm-hmm. And they both had a purpose and had like found a direction to take their time not spent screwing each other and put it to good use. But it did not in any way match up with either the definition of success they both had during the book or, frankly, the amount of potential influence mm-hmm. that they both could have had independently. And I thought it was really interesting to see that, like, I, I, I don't feel like the moral of the story was, and I realized those things weren't important. No. I feel like the moral of the story is I realized this person was the most important thing, but they both did have a sense of loss about some of the other stuff. Yeah. And I did think that was really interesting. I don't think romance novels often allow heroes or heroines, especially those who strive so hard for success to quote unquote fail. And to a degree they both did. She's not mm-hmm. designing suspension bridges and he's not passing important legislation in parliament at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know. I think that's the thing too is again, do the means justify the end? Right. I think that's right. really what this book is about because it, Right. She's if Machiavelli had written the prince with more sex between childhood friends. That's what this would have been about. It's like honestly, he spends the whole book thinking about how to please Prince Albert. Basically a Medici. <laughs> I got so many Medici references in my back pocket, Meg. We haven't even gotten into it. Oh my god. Uh no, but Look, I I do think that's what this book is about, though. Like yeah. you you can't compromise your ideals in the hopes of getting something even better at the end, because that's what they would have been doing, right? Yeah. Like I said, he you found it inconsistent. I honestly do think he was like, oh, you mean I can use my natural ability to like care about people and make like sway their opinions by becoming less authentic? Hmm. You know, and then he's like, oh, maybe I. Shouldn't do that. Okay. Did you have any content warnings? 
Uh, I mean, besides, look, all of these books have a, a big emphasis on misogyny and, you know, what uh, women's lives were like in an era where they were even more oppressed than they are today. More specifically, he was beaten as a child. That too. Which might be a little hard to read. And that is pretty textual. Like, it's not on the page, but it's it's described. And she was clearly mistreated by her mother in a way that is left a lot vaguer, but is still clearly a point of harm for her. Yeah, like more emotional abuse, but yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, Let's see. And then I will say that the his arch nemesis or their arch nemesis is... He looked pretty much Donald Trump, so FYI. Yeah, so basically, if, if the dad from Downton Abbey was in a boxing match with Donald Trump over some geese, there are also geese in there, but that's not a content warning, though. Yeah, that's a picture of that mental image. Yeah, imagine it. Imagine it. I mean, that's what he is like. Like the whole everything about him: his hair, his like orange skin, you know, everything. He's Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. Sexiness. Yes. I, okay, I said this is the best book in the series, and I stand by that. However, I have to say I think the sex in the first two books was more sexy. Mm -hmm. The sex in this book was very emotional. Yeah, she blacked out from pleasure, and she's, like, thinking about him as a child. (laughs) IDK, not 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 the most erotic mental. Woo! Sebastian just clawed right down my back. I was and like, <laughs> hurt real bad. Okay, I think I'm bleeding. My Hi, God, buddy. Sebastian. He hasn't had dinner yet either. <laughs> bad. Um, but I agree yeah. with you. It was hot. It was hot. And I want to props to Elizabeth Everett. Talk about not using coded language. Uh huh. Love I did it. find the fight about him not having condoms extremely stupid. I mean, it was dumb, but I also, it didn't, it didn't bother me in a character sense. And so I was okay with it. Well, in fairness, once they do start consummation, it is very good. And he's very much like, I read about this in a book. Is this how you do this? Yep. She's like, yes, that's how you do it. Keep going. I also loved he's I loved how fucking hot he was and how into her like they were very into each other I bought the two of them together and that uh-huh. obviously always helps with the sexiness uh-huh and then I know I said desk sex but technically it's drafting table sex which is honestly I think that's important because that the slope yep of the uh-huh. surface it's exactly an what element of ambiance Yep. That's not what I mean, but you, I'm, I, sometimes I do wish we did these on video, not often, because most of the time I look like a human disaster on Sunday nights when we record, but I do a lot of hand gestures and emphatic movements that people are missing out on. You're really missing out on the slope. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's slope. It's a slope. I don't know it, but yes, I agree with you. It's very, um, yeah. mm. I don't know what the right word is. Desk sex plus more gravity. Yeah. And Grant, FYI, oh, FYI, Grantham is gigantic. He's huge. Yeah. Like 
in all ways. She's also tall. Oh, yeah. Other trope. Tall. Either if she's tall, either they're both giants. No, that's it. If she's tall, they're both giants. If she's tall, they're both giants. If he's tall, she's either a giant or tiny. Yes. This is they're both giants. This is the second one. Um, but yeah, he's he's giant giant. I don't know. I liked that too. I like that he was giant without any particular mention of his dick splitting her in half. Yes, there's that. And also, I really liked that he was big, but like gentle giant, like had to be careful. I don't want to hurt anyone or like break anything. Also, shout out, just because we didn't mention it and this has nothing to do with sexiness. My two favorite things about the book were the absolutely insane and increasingly insane gifts he was buying for Violet and Arthur's kid Mm -hmm. and his friendship with Arthur. I was going to say the bromance. The bromance and, like, their emotional dysfunction I thought was very authentic. Perfect. It was perfect. I loved it. They would, like, almost started talking about feelings, and they're like, uh, punch me quick. And honestly, it was over the top, but I felt like there was something meaningful there about, like, the way men interact versus the way women interact. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, anyway, I I really, really liked this book, obviously, but I thought, like, Arthur and George both being, like, allies feminist allies living in a house full of women like literally full I guess George didn't live there but he was there like all the time yeah and still like being like no we have to be masculine men was especially George whose lifelong best friends are both girls yes I thought it was somehow really spoke to something about like masculinity in general I don't know I liked it I really, really, I enjoyed the experience of reading this book. I don't know why I struggled to get into it and I found the pacing a little tough, but like ultimately I don't have anything negative to say about the plot or the characters. Like I I really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun and I bought the chemistry between the leads, which is all you can ever ask for from a romance novel. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm excited about, I'm, I am excited to read more from Elizabeth Everett. I don't think there are going to be more in this series. Um, which I also think is an interesting way to end the series because, like, what a melancholy way, right? I got the impression there was going to be one more because the Moses and Mala thing that was heavily implied. I don't, well, I could be wrong. But um, maybe it's one of those things where, like, you write a new series in the same universe with a different spin. That, like, that could be it. For some reason, that, they, she thought, just she was clearly foreshadowing that romance in this one. Yeah, I thought, like, anyway, I thought I read something somewhere because I follow Elizabeth Everett on um, Instagram. And also, she's going to be one of the guests at our historical romance dinner in April. It's very exciting. So anyway, I feel like. I read it somewhere. <laughs> no, I, I, you could totally be right. I'm just saying there was very obviously a next couple set up in this one. That's true. That's true. I'll I'll do some more um, research, obviously. Or if you want to come to our historical romance center, you can ask. I just ask her there. You're right. Why would I? Not promising she's going to answer. Can't speak for her, but you can ask. I was just like, hey, Elizabeth Everett. <laughs> Please only, if you're coming, uh, address all the authors by their full name and only their full name. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Especially I mean, given so many of them are nom de plumes. <laughs> like, I know. Can you just like, hey, Liz? <laughs> no, you can't do that. Only full name. I, only full name. Yeah, it has to be it. That's it. So, anyway, thank you guys very much for listening.
If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find Plotris.